Good morning, New Life Church. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to those of you who are in the sanctuary, those of you out on the patio, and those of you who are online. Yes, welcome, everybody. I'm glad you're here on time. And uh, if you're new, even if you've gone to our Fun Fest and you're just checking us out, we welcome you. We also welcome the people that are online. If you are new online, please let us know. There's a button on there that says I'm new or just shoot us an email because we definitely want you to know that you are welcome as well. So, and if you're new in here or on the patio, we do have a wonderful gift to give you. So if you just want to come by and maybe you haven't even, maybe you've been here a few times and you just want to go ahead and say hi to us and introduce yourself, please come by. We have two kiosks out here in the foyer and in the back patio. Mm -hmm. We'd love to meet you and give you a special gift. Well, could we stand together in worship this morning? Could we stand together? And uh, as we do, I'm, I'm just going to encourage you guys to grab the hand of someone that you, that you came to church with this morning. If you didn't come to church with someone, then find someone near you in your row. We're going to grab each other's hands, and we're going to begin worship this morning in unity, right, Kent? In unity. We're going to be praying a prayer of John Wesley, okay? And I just want to encourage you, uh, before we get into worship this morning, um, to take up whatever posture you want. Last week, we kind of leaned into that, and we want to continue to lean into that, okay? So if you, wanna, if you wanna come to the altars this morning, come to the altars. If you want to kneel at your seat, kneel at your seat. If you wanna close your eyes, the whole set, close your eyes. But we all gathered for one thing, right? And that's to worship, worship Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, so I'm gonna read this prayer real quick. It's on my phone from John Wesley. It says, Oh God, seeing as there is in Christ Jesus, an infinite fullness of all that we can want or desire, may we all receive from him grace upon grace, grace to pardon our sins and subdue our iniquities, to justify our persons and to sanctify our souls, and to complete that holy change, that renewal of our hearts, which will enable us to be transformed into the blessed image in which you created us. Oh, make us all acceptable to be partakers of the inheritance of your saints in light. Amen. All right, let's begin our time of worship. As we do, would you turn to someone and say, you are loved this morning. I give you praise. 
continue in our time of worship, Lord. We just want to give you our whole hearts. And so, God, the, the things that you're seeking and you're, you're looking for, Lord, you're just, you're just wanting intimacy with your children. And so, God, one of the four things we want to focus on in the next couple of songs, we've got 12 or, 12 or so minutes left of music to play, Lord, but we want to spend time with you and, and reflect on how intimate you are with us. And in return, Lord, we want to be intimate with you. And so, God, I just pray that we would just press in as individuals just to intimacy with your heart. God, we want to reflect in these next songs over the, over the course of the next minutes we have, Lord, in worship. We want to reflect on what you've done and what you've brought us through and who you say we are and who you say that you are, Lord. So help us to be intimate and reflect. God, our posture is important too, Lord. And so as we press into you, God, whatever posture we take up, Lord Jesus, I just pray that we would feel invited by the Holy Spirit to take up that posture. So Holy Spirit, even now, just tell us what you want us to do with our bodies. Lord Jesus, we bring, our, we bring these vessels to worship so that we can raise our hands sometimes, so that we can lift our voice. But God, if you're calling us to something else, to do something different, then Lord, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would help us to position our bodies with the posture that you have invited us into. And finally, Lord, we come and we offer reverence to you. We look to nothing else and no other God but you right now, Lord. We wanna give you everything that we have, God. And so we come before you with holy reverence, knowing that you are the God who created the whole entire world, the galaxies. You created me, you created us, Lord Jesus. And so we come to you with a posture of reverence. So intimacy, reflection, posture, and reverence, Lord Jesus, we lay those things at your feet, God, and whatever they look like. God, we just want them to honor you, Lord Jesus. And church, I've also invited some of our pastors to, to be willing to anoint us with oil before we came out here to, to lead worship the whole entire team on the platform and everybody who's doing, uh, serving in tech, we, we were anointed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit with oil. And so I can even smell it on me right now. The oil is, is not special. There's nothing special about it. It's just reminding me, it's reminding all of us that the Holy Spirit is with us. And so if you just wanna be anointed this morning, if you're walking through a season where you're like, man, I need a reminder that I am with, that I am loved, that the God who, who, who fought all of my battles is still with me. He's still going before me that Jesus and Holy Spirit are with me and they are for me. If you just want that subtle reminder, it's a subtle hint of, of a scent that will, that will just carry with you throughout the day that you'll just smell 
you'll be like, oh my gosh, I was anointed this morning. So that lie that I just heard about myself, that's not true. I'm a daughter of the Most High King. I'm a son of the Most High King. If you wanna just come forward in a spirit of humility and say, I wanna be anointed in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, maybe then you spend a moment at the altar, whatever that looks like though. Just take some time, press in and become available. So pastors and staff and, and volunteers, there's some more oil over here if you wanna just anoint people who come forward with that spirit of boldness just to say, yes, I'm all in. I just wanna surrender this morning to Jesus, okay? God, we just submit these next minutes to you, whatever they look like, Lord Jesus. We wanna honor you. We wanna sing praises to you. And we wanna just, just spend time in intimacy with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
God, you are so holy, God. We just thank you. Thank you for flooding this place, God, with your hope, God, that only you can bring, God. We love you. Thank you for loving us, God. (laughs) You are so good. I just can't even imagine what you have left, what you have for the rest of us for today, God. We love you in your precious name. Amen. Oh, and you may have a seed and oh. Okay, so this will be another time where I will be bawling up here. But um, how, thank you, God. What an amazing time worshiping together. And as we just continue with that, I would like to invite the ushers forward to receive the offering. And um, we talk about here what generosity can look like about living with our hands open, right? Ready to give all that we have. Um, with our time, our effort, our resources. And we just we just thank you for being part of that with us. And last week, Pastor Gina talked about how we are getting ready for the Christmas market again and what that looks like. And I invite you to take one of these cards and it has all the information. We also have just the cutest window display in the lobby that I'd love for you to check out. And one of the things, one of the goals is that everybody that comes through the Christmas market would leave with laundry soap for their family, a big one. So we're asking for that. And the other thing is that we want every person that comes through the pantry to leave with a blanket. And just like last year, and we just saw how many people, what a difference a blanket can make. I needed an extra blanket tonight, this morning or last night, and I never, I'm always hot, and I needed a blanket. And so it really got me thinking about just what an amazing opportunity this is to hand every family member that comes through a blanket. And you can purchase those and bring those by, or we're also making them again, like we did last year, the little tie tie at the end blankets. And you can sew them, you can tie them. We have them available um, on the patio at Connection Counter. And once you sign up for them, because if you're like me, you would get the blanket and go, now what do I do with this blanket? But Katie emails you the instructions on how to do the blanket. And the Hallmark Channel right now has 24-7 Christmas movies going. So I say, get a blanket, and you can do that, and then bring them back. And so you can pick them up here today, or you can do the main office or the counseling and care office and pick those up. And I've been thinking a lot about community this week. And we talk about that a lot here too, on how important it is to have community, to have people that have your back no matter what, that you can go to. And what I love about that as our church family is it's so important to remind each other that God is with us, that even when we go through really frustrating things, hard things, that God sees us and that we're not alone. And since we're all family, I can share a little bit of a hard thing I've gone through, right? You won't tell anybody. So the last couple weeks, um, I've been struggling with passing my driver's test at the DMV. It's a true thing. It's a long story why I'm having to take it. But anyway, I haven't passed it the first, second, third Okay, so it's been kind of hard, right? 
And I have been so thankful for my church family, first of all, that I was able to share it, because it's a little bit embarrassing. Um, I don't feel totally smart, but then how many people have like, oh, that's happened to me, and let me pray for you. And um, I've had friends that have laughed with me, laughed at me, encouraged me, sent coffee. Somebody that came, um, gave up her whole day Friday to sit with me in the DMV and said, we're not leaving here till you have a license. So, the, and I do, by the way, I do have one now. Yes, thank you. <laughs> but I've been thinking about just how we need each other. And I hope all of you feel connected here. And if you are wanting connection, if you're wanting prayer, please come to the connection counter. And there are some other opportunities. Tonight, we have the women's gathering. All the women are invited. It is at five o'clock. I heard that we're gonna play bunko. We're gonna eat a meal, but I really heard we're gonna have pie. So please come, invite somebody to come with you. It's going to be such a fun time. And then I also heard we have a chili cook-off for our young elementary school families. And what a great time to get together. Um, kids running, eating chili. It is um, a time to help support the pantry. And if you want more information on that, please look at your bulletin, go online, come to Connections. And um, we were just thinking, we just had the biggest time to all come together and really work shoulder to shoulder at our um, Fall Fest that was last Sunday. Um, I'm still recovering from that. That was a big thing. There were thousands and thousands of kids here, and we just wanted to celebrate what happened last Sunday. Please watch this video. Forever, I find all that I am in your love. 
turn to somebody near you and say, God is so good. He truly is. And, you know, those, that's one of those um, things that, quite honestly, we had conversations about coming out of uh, kind of COVID and kind of ramping back up ministry. And we asked ourselves, hey, God, is this something that we uh, should utilize our resources for? And what we learned and have learned over the last several years is that they're in it's in the top three things that people say. Like when they say, hey, the very first exposure I ever had to New Life, the very first exposure I ever had to a Christian community like this was Fall Fest. And so it's one of those things where we know that God is continuing to plant seeds and that many seeds were planted that evening. And we are just praying that the Holy Spirit will do his work, amen? Amen. If you haven't been with us over the last couple of weeks, um, we have uh, shifted from kind of our overview of the Old Testament to specifically people in the Old Testament. And so last week we talked about um, a a story that many of us are familiar with, David and Goliath. And this week we're going to be turning our focus here in a moment to 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to 1 Kings chapter 18, chapters 18 and 19, chapters 18 and 19, okay? And I want to set some things up because I think one of the things that we are challenged with at times as we walk with the Lord is that we love powerful encounters with God. Amen? Who doesn't love a powerful encounter? Like even this morning, like I was literally holding back tears as I'm anointing people with oil and I can tell that the Holy Spirit is falling upon them and that that there is a, a sense of his peace washing over people and his encouragement coming and meeting people right where they're at. And I pray that if you came forward or maybe you even sat in your seat because you weren't comfortable coming forward, that you know that God wants to speak to you today, and he doesn't just want to speak to you, he wants to encounter you. He wants you to encounter him. He is here, and he is making himself available. The only question is, will we be aware of his presence? And so one of the things that I I love, I love powerful encounters with God, and I can go back through my life, and I can think of these powerful encounters that I've had with the Lord, and one of the things that is awesome about them is that they are catalytic for faith. Like when you go back and you think about those moments where you encountered God in powerful ways, they became catalytic, not only in that season, but later on in a different season, you pointed back to that powerful encounter and said, you know what? I have seen God move. And so I'm trusting that he will move again today. And so whether it's a powerful service or whether it's a retreat that you went on, whether it's coming to an altar of prayer or maybe it was simply pulling over, you were driving your car and you pulled over onto the side of the road and you just had this holy divine encounter with the God of the universe and you just remember that particular moment and it was so powerful and so rich and so awesome. And again, it's this thing that becomes catalytic for our faith. And so we like to hang on to those. But this morning, I want to hold that intention with another type of encounter. And that type of encounter is when the God of the universe meets us in our vulnerability and pain. I know we love the powerful encounters, but I want you to hold that intention this morning with this idea that that the God of the universe encounters us in our moments of vulnerability and pain down throughout history. This has been called different things. Some people may have heard it referred to as the dark night of the soul. That moment where you're just wrestling with God and you're not quite sure you can hear his voice really clearly and you're not quite sure what to do. For some of us, it, it happened of a specific circumstance in our life something that we were frustrated with, something that felt overwhelming, something that was frustrated. For some of us, it happened because of personal trauma that happened in our life. Or maybe 
Even it's happened to you because of church trauma that has happened in your life. Maybe it's happened to you because you were burnt out and stressed out and overwhelmed because something was just bigger than yourself. And what's interesting to me, not only in my own experience, but as I read throughout scripture, while we love the powerful moments because they become catalytic for our faith, I have learned to love these painful and sometimes vulnerable moments because it's in those moments that the Holy Spirit has shaped my character. And it's in those moments, not only has he shaped my character, but he has revealed more of the character of God to me. And I've experienced the Holy Spirit in richer and deeper ways than I ever thought imaginable. But I get it. The reality is, is that we lean towards and we love those powerful moments because they stir something exciting in us. And at times we try to hold at an arm's length those vulnerable moments. But if you would consider this moment that the one who follows after Jesus and the one who believes in God needs to hold those two things in tension and not somehow get fallen into the trap of, hey, you know what, when I'm experiencing God in those powerful moments and somehow I'm killing it as a follower of Jesus and I'm crushing it in life, you need to hold in tension that both of those moments, both of those encounters, both of those experiences with God are actually part of the Christian life. Both of them are things that we encounter as those who will follow after Jesus. And so, in 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19, we get a beautiful example of this happening. To introduce you a little bit, you have a prophet named Elijah. He was a prophet during the 9th century BC and he was actually a prophet in a time where Israel was going through some really difficult things. You had 10 tribes in the north and you had two tribes in the south and they weren't quite getting along all that well. The 10 tribes in the north, they had uh, pretty much abandoned following Yahweh. And the two tribes in the south were actually committed to being faithful to Yahweh. But you had this division and Elijah, man, you know what he's thinking. I mean, at least I can relate to what he was probably thinking. God sent me to the tribes in the south. That's where I wanna go. They're the ones being faithful to you. Let me just go pastor and shepherd those. It will be really easy. But that's not where Elijah was prophet. He was prophet to the tribes in the north. And so he had individuals who were being unfaithful to God. Not only that, but you had this, this king uh, in that particular area, Ahab. And Ahab, quite honestly, had a pretty psychotic wife named Jezebel. I don't use that term lightly, but if you read about the things that Jezebel did, you'd be like, wow, she, she's different. She's different. <laughs> and so you have this tension that is happening there. And not only that, but Jezebel was a worshiper of Baal. If you were from the south, you'd say Baal, but it's Baal. Some of you didn't get that, but that's all right. <laughs> but what you have happening here is that you have idol worship happening, and because of idol worship, you had Elijah pray for a drought in this particular area, hoping to get the attention of those who were being unfaithful before God. 
And so in chapter 18, I just wanna kind of give you an overview really quick because we don't have time to read through both chapters. But in chapter 18, something miraculous happens. Elijah goes to King Ahab after three three years of this drought and he basically challenges the prophets of all to, uh, to a competition. And I love that. Because, you know, I'm all about being competitive and I love a good competition. And so Elijah calls out these prophets and not only that, but he actually calls them out and wants the competition to take place on Mount Carmel, which is the mountain of all. You remember, you have Mount Sinai, right? Which is the mountain of God. And then you have this idea of Mount Carmel, which is the, uh, the mountain of Baal. And so basically what Elijah is doing is something that no good head coach will do. I want to challenge you to a competition, but we're going to do it on your turf. Everybody wants home field advantage, right? But Elijah calls out what these prophets are doing and says, hey, we're going to have this competition and we're going to both build altars. And when we build these altars, we're gonna call down to our gods and have and see which one of our gods can consume and light these altars with fire. And so he not only that, but he gives them the ball first. He says, hey, we're gonna do this on your turf and I'm gonna let you try first. And so these prophets of Baal, they build this altar and they begin to call out to their gods, their many gods actually. And they begin to, not only that, but they work themselves up in a kind of a fever pitch. They begin to dance and they begin to cry out and they begin to even cut themselves, the Bible says, and nothing happens. And then Elijah, if you were here last week, you know I love myself some trash talk. Elijah begins to mock them. I love this. I mean, these aren't just like little bit mocks. Like he actually begins to do some things that get under their skin. He's like, where are your gods? They daydreaming? That's, not, that's pretty good. The next one's really funny though. Are they going to the bathroom? Are they relieving themselves? Some translations say. Are they asleep? You shout a little louder so you can wake them up. And he begins to trash talk them. And guess what? Nothing happens. So Elijah gathers the people of Israel around and they rebuild the altar of God. And they not only do that, but then Elijah like steps up the game. It's almost like, hey, if I'm gonna fight you, I'm gonna fight you with one arm behind my back. So you know it's not me, but it's God. And they drench the altar with water so much so that they have to build a trench around the altar and that water flows down the altar and fills an in that trench. God sends fire from heaven to ignite that altar and it consumes not only the altar, but it burns up. I just imagine the steam coming off that, right? Like it burns up the water. It consumes everything. And I'm like, what? This is incredible. This is awesome. And everybody witnessing the miraculous display of God's power, the people acknowledged that God is the true deity, that God was the God above all gods. And honestly, this is where I want to live. Like, let's just be really real about it. Like, that is where I want to live. Like, my enemies come against me. Hey, God, you know what? Show your power. 
You got something going on in your life? God, show your power. As humans, we are bent towards this idea of wanting to avoid any type of pain and avoid any type of vulnerability and avoid these areas. And we lean towards wanting just to experience the power of God. In fact, when we come to know Jesus, I think we set ourselves up sometimes with this idea of like, hey, we have a powerful encounter with God. And in fact, this morning, some of you had a powerful encounter with God, as I mentioned earlier. Many of us can point back to the catalytic moments where we had powerful encounters with God. And so we wanna repeat that. We wanna keep those things going. We wanna keep those mountaintop experiences going. But God never promises un or promises just these, this idea of sustainable, unending, mountaintop experiences. And when we have our expectations unmet, and instead of meeting God on the mountaintop, we meet him in the valley. Instead of meeting God on the mountaintop, we meet him in our vulnerability. Instead of on the mountaintop, we meet him in a place of pain. And we encounter him there. Quite honestly, it's the reason some people walk away from their faith because their expectations become shattered and they don't quite know how to encounter God in these spaces. And so in 1 Kings chapter 19, it's interesting, Elijah goes from this mountaintop experience and that's contrasted with a moment where he is vulnerable and he's hurting and he's got questions about who he is and who God is. 1 Kings chapter 19 verses one, Verse one says this, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, may the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. I told you, she crazy. <laughs> Elijah was afraid, verse three. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. Hold on a second. Brother just saw fire from heaven consume an altar right before his eyes. He just walked off in victory. He's LeBron James, you know, like pounding it. Like he is literally walking off in this moment. And now, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and left his servant there. And then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. We struggle for language in these types of moments. We struggle to actually tell God, God, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. We struggle to tell God, God, I've had enough. I'm overwhelmed. It's like we, we lean so much into kind of this American idea of pull yourself up by your bootstraps that we never allow ourselves to get vulnerable with God and we never allow to come before God and say, God, I've had enough. How long, O oh Lord, the psalmist says. And because we don't go into those spaces and because we don't withdraw into lonely spaces and get alone with God and get real with God, we miss out on him revealing some of his, some of his most important and beautiful characteristics to us. Elijah prays one, a one-line prayer. Take 
my life. Take my life. Verse five. Then he laid down and he slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on a hot stone in a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. Verse eight. So he got up and he ate and he drank and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Did you notice what happened there? He went from Mount Carmel to the mountain of God. The mountain of Baal to the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night and Elijah replied, I have zealously served, served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left and now they are trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him and Elijah stood there. The Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was, such a terrible, it, it was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. What I want us to capture this morning from this text is a pattern of response. See, I think we know how to respond a lot of times when it comes to the powerful moments. We find ourselves falling to our knees and saying, God, you are powerful, you are awesome. We found ourselves clapping our hands. We find ourselves raising our hands. We find ourselves shouting, hallelujah. Like we know intuitively how to respond when God does something dramatic. Tears fall from our eyes when we watch a miracle take place, when somebody is healed. I mean, there's just something that naturally stirs within us. But I think the reason we don't get alone with God in these vulnerable spaces and we don't encounter him here is we're not quite sure what to do. We don't actually know how to encounter God in these spaces. And yet what I love about the story is that Elijah actually gives us a pattern for this. And so if, you have, if you're taking notes and you're writing things down, I want you to notice the pattern that takes place. And the first part of the pattern is this, that, there's, that he retreats intentionally. That he finds himself retreating intentionally. Here's what happens when we find ourselves in vulnerable spaces. Here's what tends to happen when we find ourselves in pain. Many of us, rather than running to God, we run away from God. It's almost like when there's powerful moments, we wanna give God glory and we wanna be in his presence. But when we're vulnerable or we find ourselves uncertain or we find ourselves doubting, rather than running to God, we're like, God can't handle this. He can't handle my frustration. He can't handle my pain. He can't handle the fact that I'm going through this. And so you're not quite sure what to do. So rather than running to God, he runs away, or we tend to run away from God. But the pattern begins exactly the opposite in Elijah. He runs towards the mountain of God. He moves towards God in this particular moment. And notice what God doesn't do. God does not shame him. provides sustenance for him. He provides something to drink and something to eat. 
And one of the things that we have to recognize here, well, I'll circle back to it in a moment, is not just in those vulnerable moments, not just in those painful moments, but in the exhausting moments of life, we have to run to God. See, some of you are parenting your kids or you're leaning into a marriage and trying to reconcile or you're trying to care for aging parents and you find yourself just completely exhausted. And rather than owning and admitting that you're exhausted, exhausted and running to God and saying, God, this is too much, this is too hard, this is too difficult, I'm frustrated, this is challenging, Rather than doing that, we actually try to hide or run away from God. But one of the things we learn from Elijah and also from Jesus is that when you pour yourself out for the gospel and you pour yourself out in ministry, then you need to withdraw to be refilled with God's presence. This is so key. And some of you are like, well, that's what pastors do because they preach on Sunday or they share the gospel. No, that's what you do because you're caring for a two-year-old. That's what you do because you're caring for a 90-year-old. That's what you do because work is crazy. That's what you do because being married goes through seasons of mountaintop and season of valley moments. That's what you do because you're exhausted because you're studying hard, but the grades aren't quite matching up with your studying. That's what you do because you're trying to figure out how to be God-honoring and live a single life. And so we have to retreat intentionally. Elijah wasn't far from God. He was spent. See, some of us mistake vulnerability or pain or or loneliness or those feelings that we have as being us far from God. No, you're just exhausted. You're spent. You're tired. You're worn out. And what even does it more so is that we live in this tension between presence and pressure. Some of you know, like I'm speaking this morning, like you're like, yes, that's what I want. I just want to dwell in God's presence. But the pressure of life, the pressure of your schedule, the pressure of the relationship, the pressure of work, the pressure that you're experiencing, all these pressures are keeping you from going into God's presence. So you have this tension, right? I want to be in God's presence, but I don't know how to get there. I want time from God, with God. But I feel the pressure of life, and even more so, some of you go into the presence of God and you're waiting for a mountaintop experience. And sometimes God wants you just to sleep. Rest. See, you're going there asking for wisdom, mountaintop experience, fire from God. I need your wisdom, I need your discernment, I need your healing, I need your presence, I need this, I need that. And God's saying, just sleep. You can't even handle my wisdom right now. God wants you to long for his presence. And I get it, it's not easy. I'm a pretty independent person and when I get sick, I don't want anybody to bother me. I will lock myself in the room and I'll say, I'll see you in a couple days. But you know what? That might be what I want. But what I need is for Dana to peek her head in every now and then and say, hey, do you need some more ginger ale? And some crackers. Hey, you really should take a shower. (laughs) Right? Like what we want is to be left alone, but what we need is care. And so God invites you into his presence. Be open to care. The second thing, if you're writing down, is quantity. I see my brother, Mike Pick over here, he taught me this a long time ago. It's so key. Quantity leads to quality. So many of us want 10 minutes in the morning to kind of 
minister to our vulnerability and minister to our pain and minister to our loneliness and 10 minutes in the morning isn't gonna do it. Notice it says he was waiting on God. There's nothing that happened. Like there was 40 days and nights in between the beginning of his journey and when he actually did encounter the voice of God. And in the scriptures, let me be clear, 40 days and 40 nights does not necessarily mean 40 days and 40 nights. What it means is it's, it's kind of hyperbole for a really long time. So it could have been longer than that. We don't know. We just know he got up every day and he took a step towards the mountain of God, right? He got up every day and he took another step. He got up every day and he took another step. And what happens in our lives so often is that we want, we want God to speak immediately and the moment he doesn't, oh, what's on my phone? Oh, I, I need to check Instagram or Facebook again. Oh, Snapchat, yep, there we go. And we're distracted. Oh, there's another email for me to do. There's another thing for, there's another kid for me to pick up. There's another thing that I gotta do. Oh, I gotta cook dinner. Oh, I gotta do that. And at some point, church, we have to carve out the time when we find ourselves slipping into this kind of exhaustion and this faith exhaustion. And, and we're not even quite sure what's going on in order to, to come against that at some level, in order to hear God's voice in that level, you have to get away to lonely spaces. And not just for five or 10 minutes. You need to say, I need to get away for a weekend. I need to get away for a seat. I need to, I need to spend time consistently with God. Because if you don't, that's when you start to self-medicate. That's when you start scrolling on your screens just because you're not quite sure what else to do. That's when you start getting on to the computer late at night and looking at stuff that God doesn't want you looking at. That's when sin begins to creep into your life because you're trying to fill this void, this ache that you have that only God can fill. And when you spend time with him, something, there's a beautiful invitation that God has for us and that's simply to name Name it, name what we're feeling, name what we're experiencing. In the beginning, initially, he said, Elijah says this, I've had enough, I want to die. It's pretty specific, right? But if you continue reading in verse 13 and into 14, it says this, and a voice said, this is God speaking, what are you doing here, Elijah? I love that, what are you doing here? It sounds kind of like harsh, right? And then verse 14, he replied, Elijah replies, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down, their, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. What are you doing here? Now, I was reading this passage this week, and it hit me. Like, Think of the contrast here between what happens in Genesis chapter three and what happens in, in 1 Kings chapter 19. In 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah's feeling pain and he's feeling frustration with God and he's feeling these things with God. And, and God says, what are you doing here? He's inviting Elijah to respond honestly, right? If you go back to Genesis chapter three, when God is walking in the cool of the day and he calls out and says, Adam, where are you? What does Adam do? He hides. So you have the model of what sin does in our life and what the fall does in our life and that tendency for us to wanna hide from God and not expose our vulnerability and our pain and our frustration. And then you have the example or the pattern in Elijah where he says, 
What are you doing here, Elijah? Here's what I'm doing here, God. I'm really upset at you. I'm frustrated. These people are trying to kill me. Have you ever gotten that honest with God? Have you ever gotten alone with him and just exposed the feelings that you have? And then realize that your feelings don't have to dictate your actions? That you can actually still trust in God even when you don't feel like trusting in God? You ever experience that? See, what God wants us to name is our mess, our fear, our deep-rooted issues that make us, us. And for some of us today, it's the low-grade exhaustion from life. And for some, it's circumstances and trauma and chaos. And for some of us, it's spiritual warfare and everything in between. But when we name it, then we have an opportunity to listen for his response. To tune our ears towards not the spectacular, but a whisper. I think one of the things we're challenged with as those who follow after God and those who are journeying with Jesus and apprentices of Jesus, I think one of the things that we struggle with is that our ears are only tuned to one frequency of his voice. And that's when he's loud and dramatic. Have you ever found yourself, or maybe I'm just the only bad parent, have you ever found yourself yelling at your kid because when you talked quiet, it wasn't getting through? So you're like, I'll just raise my volume. (laughs) Or even more funny, have you ever listened to somebody who's trying to break down the bilingual barrier with somebody and they raise their voice as if somehow that's gonna make the communication easier? Some of us only have one frequency that we have heard God's voice at. And Elijah reminds us that we not only need to be able to recognize God in the powerful encounters, we need to recognize his whisper. And if you haven't spent time with him in lonely places, and if you haven't gotten vulnerable with him, I'm not sure he can reveal to you how he whispers. But when we hear his whisper, we become shaped by him. The next part of the pattern. Not by another book, not by another podcast, but by his presence. If I go up to the heights of the heaven, he is there. If I make my bed in the depths, he is there. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Are you allowing him to shape you? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Are you in his presence? If you weren't here last week, one of the things that the Lord just spoke so deeply into my heart is that we are so fixated on outcomes rather than God's presence. The outcomes are not the prize. Jesus is the prize. His presence is the prize. And when we are shaped by him, it gives us the ability to re-engage. Get up, Elijah. Go find Elisha. 
He re-engages in ministry. Some of you are trying to re-engage and you're just hoping that somehow the power of God's gonna help you grit through it. And what God really wants you to do is to get away with him in lonely places and experience his presence so that he can fill you up so you can actually re-engage. You're praying for a miracle and what God wants you to pray for and experience is his presence. His presence. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning just as a way, it's, you're not more spiritual by doing this. But it does help us focus in on what God is doing without distraction. And I want just to walk you through a couple of just prayer prompts. Can you name your feelings and your circumstance to God in your heart and mind? Can you name it? I think God can handle your frustration and I believe God can handle your honesty and I think he can even handle sometimes our language and our directness. Search our hearts, O oh God. Expose our thoughts and our feelings. Bring them to the surface. Don't allow us to hide from you like Adam. But God, allow us to bring all of us and our mess before you. Search our hearts. And when we find ourselves at your feet, may we hear your words whisper to us, you are my beloved. May we know that you are God who is slow to anger and abounding in love. May you remind us of your grace and your mercy. God, would you even more so bring to the surface those wounds that we, those aches that we have that we try to satisfy with other people or other things or self-medicating or other distractions. God, would you bring those things to the surface? Our own inadequacies that we're trying to pretend that we don't have or that we're trying to hide from everybody. God, would you expose those in us? God, would you give us permission, as I know you do, to admit we're exhausted, we're frustrated, we're scared, we're uncertain, we have doubts. But we are choosing to still trust in you. And Lord, as we cast our burdens on you, as we are still and declare that you are God, may you tune our ears towards your whisper. Shape us, God. Mold us. 
renew us. Holy Spirit, I pray that what you have began in these moments, that you would be faithful to complete it in the coming days, weeks, months, and years. What has been planted here, may it bear fruit. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Again, if you're new or newer to new life or maybe just haven't connected beyond the weekend worship experience, we just invite you to come by and stop by one of our Connection Centrals and not only pick up a free gift that we have for you, but also uh, allow us to kind of know you a little bit more and guide and direct you towards how you can connect further here and experience and grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus. I know when we preach a message like this that sometimes there is some stirring that's still going on. And so if you sense the Holy Spirit is still speaking to you, I wanna invite you at the end of our service to come forward and to be prayed over by our prayer team, to be encouraged and to know that you are not alone. As you go today, may you go as one who not only experiences and encounters God on the mountaintop, but invites God to meet you in your vulnerability. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen and amen. Grace and peace to you. We'll see you next week.